Hi, and welcome back to the Mission Minded Podcast. I'm Jim, here today with Brian. Hey, Jim. How are you? I'm doing good, Brian. Glad to have you on this side of the camera. Yeah, it's it's awkward uh, to be on this side of the camera, actually. I mean, I'm, I'm normally behind the scenes, right. you know, with a podcast. But right. um, yeah, yeah, this should be fun. This should be fun. Another person who is often behind the scenes is Diane Becker, who we just finished the episode with. Right. We just finished uh, interviewing Diane Becker. Uh, producer, director extraordinaire, um, has a fantastic background. We've we've both known her for about ten years now. Yep, yep. So those familiar with iTech and some of the videos you've seen, you would recognize Journey into the Amazon. Journey into the Amazon. Missions Dilemma. Missions Dilemma. She also helped out on um, the next chapter with Steve. She was oh, yeah. around iTech at the time of of Steve's incident, and so she helped out in those first few episodes of that. Um, as well as end of the spear. Yes. Yeah. But I think she worked as a, um, assistant to the producer on yeah. that. So, so it has a, a pretty wide range of, uh, different things she's worked on producing and uh, interesting story, just using her talents, uh, for editing and creating content that, uh, tells a story that is you know, a lot of these stories, in the absence of Christ, they, they just don't make sense. The, the end of the spear, the story of the journey into the Amazon, um, other things that, I mean, even the next chapter, you know, Steve's journey in that. And that's, that's what filmmaking is all about. It's about telling good stories, you know, and as believers who are filmmakers, we want to tell stories that, you know, exalt Christ mm-hmm. and, and share stories of people who have come to know Christ. And so, Diane has has done that with her films. She has a huge background. She's worked in everything from uh, local TV to small time documentaries to larger documentaries to feature films. You know, Diane has has done it all, and so uh, she's someone who's very knowledgeable. And it was a, it was a joy to uh, you know catch up with her. Yeah, and everybody's going to enjoy the conversation today and be sure to follow up on some of the, the show notes below. We're going to link some of the, the films that she mentions. And also for those who are watching, if you give us a, a little thumbs up, a comment, subscribe, it helps us get the word out to, to more people. Correct. Um, yep. And, and if you were listening on to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please go on and give us a rating five stars. Hopefully if you like it, give us five stars and, and, you know, leave a comment down below. That helps people find us in their searches. And, um, you know, we want to get the word out. We, we, we find value in what we're doing, and we hope you do too. And so just, yeah, help us get that out there. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Mission Minded Podcast. Welcome to Mission Minded, the podcast where we explore outside-the-box thinking in carrying out Christ's Great Commission. this week's episode, we are joined by filmmaker Diane Becker. Our sponsor for today's podcast is Dignity Roasters Coffee, locally roasted and packaged by the distressed to fuel each day. Dignity Roasters was born through a passion to partner with the distressed and the desire of bringing the universally loved beverage of coffee to your hands. To order your own coffee or to learn more about Dignity Roasters, visit their website at DignityRoasters.com. Here's your host, Jim Tingler. So, hey, Diane, thanks for joining us on the podcast. I'm glad to be here. So, we've got Brian here. Yes, I'm here today. And and this is kind of a weird setup because these are two people that are usually behind the camera, but you guys are in front of the camera today. 
That's right. It is really weird to be in front of the camera, Diane. I am sitting here with three different cameras, and uh, it's it's better when you're behind them and you're calling the shots <laughs> behind them, and you can, you know, it's going to be weird editing myself. It does feel like you're a little bit in the hot seat, and I want to scoot you over just like an inch this direction <laughs> if I can direct. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. So, Diane, you have plenty of experience from behind the camera, but today maybe we could share a little bit about, you know, how you got to that place. What what brought you to journalism, right? That was kind of the initial direction you went into and in, in getting into film production, but where did that all start? Well, I think I went to the University of Missouri, not sure not sure what I wanted to do, um, but I kept hearing about the journalism school. They have a really good journalism school, so I thought, well, let me try that. And they do have a lot of weed out classes. They kept telling me I was too nice to be a journalist. Um, and I think they're looking for the most stubborn people because stubborn people make good journalists. <laughs> So um, after journalism school, I started working in um, secular television, um, several CBS, NBC affiliates, and jumped several different markets, and as a reporter, producer, and then I got more into programming and um, documentary work um, at the St. Louis affiliate. And I guess it would have been, um, you know, I had grown up in a Christian home, and so um, I guess it was a junior high experience where God became very real to me. Um, there was a group of college students that had come in for an event, and I was like, I want to be that kind of Christian. You know, they just had this zeal and enthusiasm for their faith. And um, so I had a great high school um, Bible study, campus ministry in college. Um, once I got into television, though, you know, it was like on Sunday mornings and um, maybe a devotion in the morning. And so I felt, especially in my mid-90s, I had let my faith become very routine. You know, still church on Sundays, devotion. But I feel like I was lukewarm and just really had um, some tough times, went through a divorce. When I kind of was back in the middle of Psalms, it was like I had my first love back. And I was like, okay, God, you've been part of my life for a long time. Now I want you to be Lord of my life. You can have everything. So I was at a TV station for, um, well, I guess I'd been there seven years, and I proposed to them that I would take a leave of absence, thinking I would take eight weeks. And then I met with HR and they said, well, the minimum 16 and the maximum is 52. But most people do this for, you know, sickness or health of a parent. And I was like, hmm, I'm kind of maximum and I want it now. <laughs> so I took a leave of absence and met with my church missions committee. And I said, I just want to give back this year. You know, whether that's washing dishes or hammering nails or producing videos, um, you know, I just, it's a year to give back. And so I had connections, and then one would lead to the next, and I was in Guatemala and Honduras and the Ukraine and France. And all of these, it was just about the time when you could um, have a little camera that looked almost broadcast quality and that you could edit on your computer. So it was just a real exciting time, late 90s. And um, I just started doing a lot of videos. And... 
one of them, I think it was the Yali story that I did in Papua, Indonesia, that I knew was a bigger story than just a ministry video. And so I contacted um, Vision Video about um, distributing it. And when they saw it, they said, why, um, how many of these do you have? And I said, mm, probably 40 or so. And they were like, could you put some television shows together? So we ended up putting um, Mission, Got at Work, Faith and Action together for Faith TV. And that's actually um, one of my connections with Steve Saint because someone suggested, I wonder if Steve Saint would host this program. So that was my first connection with iTech, those conversations. So Diane, in in that time when you were at um when you were at the news station, what were, you were on on air reporter or behind the scenes? I started off on air reporter. Um, I can remember some live shots that were absolutely awful, and my news director would say, "You're not doing live anymore." <laughs> they, they weren't good at. They weren't in those living. harsh harsh weather conditions, right? They put you out in the thunderstorms <laughs> or. There were some of those. I do feel like that, though, television in the early 80s was more of a public service, whereas it kind of changed in, I would say, maybe in the 90s, where it became much more of infotainment and how do you get people to watch you, and it became less of a public service. Um, but I had switched. I you know, did some on-camera work, but then when I moved to an executive producer job in Hartford, Connecticut, kind of went behind the scenes. You have a little bit more power, actually, when you're behind the scenes. So how was it making that transition from being in front of the camera and working with a large group to going in and being, you know, kind of a one-woman crew, where you're filming, you're writing, you're editing, you're producing, you're finding those stories? How was, how was that transition? It was definitely a transition, and I did miss the community. I loved working at a television station because there was such a community. Um, and what I would do is I would go do a story, and then I would bring it back to my TV friends, and they would just tear it apart. Oh, look, there's too much headroom, too much chin room. Look, he needs to be off-centered a little bit. And they just, I mean, I'd always kind of watched it, but I would really hadn't you know, shot anything since college. And um, I can remember bringing back the Yali story and my photographer friend says, I have nothing more to teach you. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think, you know, you did end up, you know, shoot, write, edit, you know, narrate sometimes, um, author the DVD, or back then I was probably even making VHS at the beginning. So I made whoever I was working with um, my team, you know, whatever, uh -huh. <clears throat> excuse me, whatever um, mission team I was with, um, they became, you know, kind of my crew, you know, hey, uh, we need a light here, or, you know, I just involved them in that. I did get to the point, and this was probably even some of iTech's um, influence, was um, trying to find someone, hey, is there somebody that wants to learn about this that could help? And, you know, you just pass some of those skills along. So tell us how you met Steve Saint and started working with him on different projects. Well, I was actually working a movie project um, and I had already heard about the movie that had become uh, End of the Spear and I ended up meeting several of the people and uh, but that had been on hold for a little while. But I just thought, 
you know, I always wanted to work on a feature film, and how cool would this be to work on one about missions and missionaries? Um, but on a, another film that involved some of the same people, somebody mentioned, oh, actually, Stephen Curtis Chapman was, on, was in the movie, and they said, what about Stephen Curtis Chapman and Steve Saint hosting the mission show you're doing? And so um, I got... Um, you know, kind of pursued that for a while. It was hard to get Stephen Curtis Chapman's schedule to work out. And so in the end, Faith TV said, why don't you just host it with Steve? And it was just during those co earlier conversations, I guess. And we were still, um, you know, knew we were going to work on the movie. But I was talking to Steve one day and he goes, um, do you weld? And I said, no, but my dad does. And he goes, why don't you get him and come down here? We need to make an airplane for the movie, it doesn't have to fly, but it has to look like it could, and then the Wadani Indian spirit in the movie and tear it up. And so I asked my dad if he wanted to go to iTech, and so that was our first visit was covering wings of an airplane uh, that was in the movie End of the Spear. So that was fun. That's great. Yeah, it is a little bit of a all hands on deck when you're around Steve Saint and the project. So, but you, you, well, and you, I was going to say you do have a pretty diverse background, though. You are a pilot as well. I did. Both my dad and I. He, I grew up flying. He had gotten his license when I was about five, and so um, my pastor, when I was uh, probably in college, was a flight instructor. So you're in. My dad had bought a plane and. So it was very easy. So I have kept my piloting skills up. Uh, don't fly as much as I used to, but uh, um, I was going to say I um, we had built the wing, and so Steve had been giving me instructions for a week to ten days, and then we decided that we would videotape the mission series. And I had worked in PM Magazine, Evening Magazine, so that's kind of the style of show it was, where we were the hosts at iTech, and then we would, you know, introduce a story. And so then for a week, I'm giving Steve instructions. Only everything I would say, he'd, I'd say, well, make sure you finish looking at the camera. And he'd say, why? <laughs> so I'd explain to him, because it looks good, because I say so. <laughs> so it became very much of trying to direct Steve Sage, but uh, we, we came to an agreement that it just was really um, a, just a neat opportunity to work with him. And, you know, from there we went into the movie and then from the movie when I went to Journey into the Amazon with our three cameras and um, down with the families uh, of the three men that were killed, of three of the men that were killed. So tell us about that project for i mean a lot of people have probably seen the movie into the spear but journey into the Z amazon i mean it's a great video series i know there's about an an hour trim down version but are there 13 episodes as well that are, are available right there's 13 half hours and i think those are my favorite because it we did it with all nat sound sound bites and you are it's a reality show and even the camera crew are kind of part of it. Um, and we had three cameras. Um, you know, one was, an, I think two of the others were interns that were working at iTech. And then we took, you know, the McCulley brothers and some cousins and the Fleming Liefeld family. And then, of course, Jesse. 
um, was along as well as Steve. And, and so it's just, you're sitting around a campfire going, that guy killed his dad and her uncle and that guy. And yet there is a community and a family. And, and I think it's where I started, you know, Steve of course was, you know, just telling stories and also making points about what missions had become and kind of his experience. He had, um, you know, written the great omission. And so it, really started sink into me. I always say Steve Saint ruined my romantic view of missions <laughs> that I had. And, um, you know, and after Journey into the Amazon, which I think you can Google and, and watch the 13 episodes, I highly recommend it. It's on our, um, it's on our YouTube page. We host it on our YouTube page. Awesome. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. You had done that. That's awesome. Um, and I do like the 13 half hour series rather than the one hour. So it's during one of those binge watch times. But, um, and I mean, we did crazy things with that journey into the Amazon. They had um, built, you know, hacked out a canoe out of a tree, but it was a mile from the river. And so our whole group of 40 people get that canoe to the river and we do the whole fishing in the river with poison root and I mean the blow guns it was just really an experience uh, that you get only with the Waldani Indians so it was amazing um, but after journey to the Amazon we did missions dilemma and uh, took sections of journey into the Amazon as well as interviewed um, global leaders um, at the Urbana conference and other places and just you know, wanted to put together that whole idea. I wish we'd called it When Helping Hurts. I think it might have been <laughs> even more popular, but Mission's Dilemma, I think, is kind of the theory. I think When Helping Hurts gives a little bit more um, practical ideas, whereas I think Mission's Dilemma is kind of the theory behind things. It's always kind of like when you ask Steve Saint a question, he will tell you a story. And it's interesting how, if you think about that story, you will get your answer. So, so Diane, I think some of our listeners have seen, you know, the mission's dilemma um, or are aware of it. Um, so when you're putting together a project like that, how much work is involved in that? Because uh, I know you have to find, you know, you have to script this out and then you have to find, and, and you interviewed quite a bit of people who are involved in missions in that. And then, you know, you did a stand up film with Steve and um, in front of a live audience and then okay. the, the editing process. And this was before digital. So you were shooting most of it still to tape or were you, were you going to, you know? it was, no, I think we were digital. In fact, okay. we were playing to be HD and then the youth group at the church were leaving on a trip and they said, Oh, we're leaving early. We'll need that camera. <laughs> and so I lost my third HD camera. So I wish I'd fought harder for that, but um, it is a, just a huge project. When you think of Journey into the Amazon, I mean, we shot 107 hours, and then I kept finding, you know, other footage to pull in. So I think I had 130 when it was all over. And, you know, that gets whittled down to six and a half and, um, and then down to one. I mean, you know how much work it is. Mm. Um, I, that's why I think when I was always on a mission project, I would do it in the presence of the people that were, 
getting the video because then they saw the value of how much time it takes to edit something. And um, there's a sideline story that I was in Nepal and I was editing a project and they would come in at breakfast and we'd have dinner together, but always on the side, I was still editing. And I remember this associate pastor out of Kansas City looked at me and he goes, this is worship for you. Mm. And I was like, huh, I never thought of that. He goes, no one could do as much as you do for this unless it was worship. And so just giving myself that idea that editing is worship. So that was cool. All right, remind me where I was now. We were back, oh, how much time it took for Missions Dilemma. You know, I was taking snippets from Great Omission. I had talked Steve into coming to Urbana to interview people, and he wasn't sold on the idea until he saw that they were echoing what he said and saw how that gave him more credibility when they were repeating what he was saying. So that worked out really well. And then I had those snippets from Journey into the Amazon, but I do remember we, um, we shot it at the Southeast Christian Church in Louisville and, you know, just even, you know, coordinating with them that they can get people there because we wanted the audience to bring people through this process. Because I knew in seven half hours, we're asking for a paradigm shift on how you think about missions. And so could we bring other people along on that journey? And I just remember Steve and I, we knew we were taping three or four the first evening, maybe two or three the first evening. And so we had that many scripts, you know, really done. And he was still ad-libbing some on there. But um, then the next morning we had to get up like at five o'clock because we had like four or five more scripts to, to iron out. And I just thought, oh, we should have had one more script meeting. So you always wish you'd done a little bit more. But, um, but I remember he would say after, and he'd even, you know, when I talk to him now, he'll say, that was everything I wanted to say about missions. You know, it just, he said, he felt like that communicated his message, so. So when you talk about when you took Journey into the Amazon and you had you know, like 130 hours worth of footage and you're dwindling, you're, you're just taking it down to one hour. As an editor, what are you looking for to, to fill in that one hour when you have all this footage to, to go through? Because I know as an editor, there's a lot of stuff that you want to use. Like, oh, this is good. This is good. But you have to make that decision to cut some of that stuff. So... Um, what is kind of your process when you were putting, building a story um, from that much footage and, and narrowing it down to just an hour, two hours, a 13-part episode? Right. I don't know if this is just a gift or a skill I learned. I'm going to say that it's a gift because I don't quite know how it happened that I can do it. But when I can listen to an interview, my ears perk up when I hear the soundbite. When I hear, I can sit through a whole soundbite or a whole interview and I'll pick out the 20 seconds that are best. And I, I just love to be able to do that because it's usually something that you go, hmm, or oh wow, or it tells the, you know, furthers the story. It doesn't always happen. Um, and sometimes, you know, you get a good interview and you're like, oh, I want to use that and that and that. And 
I just always start, especially I love nonlinear editing because I will just pull it all down to the timeline. And then you might have something that's an hour and a half long and you just start, okay, that's gone, that's gone, that's gone until you get it down to something and you just watch it over and over. And I also bring in other viewers, friends, hey, will you watch this? Hey, take a look at this. And just sometimes if somebody says something, oh, I don't like that person. Um, or I don't like that soundbite. I won't, I won't take any mind to it until about three people say that doesn't make sense, you know. And then it's like, okay, let me rethink this because there's a lot of opinions out there. We all watch television, so we all think we kind of know um, how to how we would produce something. Um, but I do like telling stories. I've, you know, Journey into the Amazon was just amazing visually and. I started, I mean, I just told that chronologically and then went back and put in sound bites. Um, we had done most of the interviews near the end of the, the stay. Um, and, and then, of course, I found some, um, you know, we found more archive footage. And then I know there were still some things that I didn't quite, I didn't, wasn't able to tell the story. So I just put Steve Saint out in the middle of the green across from iTech and pretended it was Ecuador. <laughs> so see if you can find those sections. <laughs> it's just little filmmaker tricks that you can, you know, the magic of editing. Fill in the gaps. Yeah. Diane, uh, so you've had all this experience, but you've given back um, from what you have, what you have learned over your years of filmmaking as in, in teaching it. So you were with, um, you worked along with uh, you for the mission and their grassroots news. Um, tell us a little bit about that and how you got involved in that. And then we can talk a little bit about, you know, how you got involved with us in our film training here at ITAG. Right, right, the trip to Ecuador. Um, right, I had gotten a call from YWAM. I had done a film project with them, so they were aware of me. And then um, they had wanted to do grassroots news, the idea that, you know, they have teams all over the world. Uh, and 26,000 of them, and their idea was we could have our own network of people. We could supply footage to other networks and other stories, and I think it even came out from when the earthquake in Haiti, and there was a survivor found a few days after it had happened, and they weren't finding any survivors more. That was actually a YWAM team that found they were you know first responders and they found that person but ywam was never in the story and it was like wait that's that's us we did that we should be able to, to put those stories together and so just the way why ywam works they have the dts and so they had a voice for the voiceless and different programs that were there and so we did start with um, you know, just this is how you tell a story, and we'd tell it there. We were based in Kona, Hawaii, which was lovely. And then all the teams went out, and even the team that went to Panama ended up with um, a gal there that, um, you know, we were all learning at the same time, but um, she had been um, fostering some kids in an uh, orphanage. In Panama law, you could not adopt the kids you were fostering. And so that team put together a documentary, and visually it's gorgeous. Um, we didn't quite uh, 
their audio was not great on their sound bites, but you know, it's also Spanish. So for the English version, you don't really lose a lot, but they ended up changing the law with that documentary. And I think they started to see the power of that. And, you know, those have gone on to do some other films and, and taken on some other things. And you worked with, trip- and you worked with, that uh, was Brittany De- DeVries, DeVries? Yes, Brittany DeVries was the producer on that one. And then later she came to me and said, you know, would you do A World Without Orphans or the documentary that became that? And um, yeah, so she's kind of on her own trajectory. I think she's got some projects coming up as well. So it's neat to see that. So, And I think about our trip to Ecuador, it yeah. was... Yeah, so how, how important is it for for us to pass on our knowledge and our skills to, to those that, that want to learn, you know, how to, how to tell stories in their own language. Um, yeah, we went down to Ecuador in 2014 and we spent five weeks there, you know, teaching, I think like 30 students, um, you know, editing and, and cinematography and story. Um, and you were a big part of, of helping with that. So how important is this for, for us to, to pass on our knowledge? I do think that's where you're going to learn the most, you know, hands on. And I think it's so important to pass on what we know. I mean, that's the whole, you know, basis of our world is equipping. uh, And it's even making disciples. You know, there is the making disciples of, you know, true disciples of Christ. But there's also disciples in the video world. I mean, that they want to do it. I do think you have to find somebody that really loves to tell stories and loves the visuals and, and the editing, you have to love the editing or find a good editor. But um, I just think about the film festival that we did at the end of those five weeks. What, I don't remember, we had like, I don't know, 15 or 20 different videos that we showed. 150 of their family and friends came to watch it. And it was just really impressive to see what they could turn out in five weeks. And, you know, because they really, there were a few people that knew some things going into that, but it was exciting to see. And then you've done it since then in several different countries. Yeah. Yeah. And your, your work on that and helping us put, you know, that training uh, curriculum together, um, especially with the story side of it um, has really helped us. And we have gone just all over the world with it and, Done dozens of trainings now where we have the trainings with the students and then those same film festivals we do at every training where they invite you know the people from the village to come out and their family and friends and they share these stories so we we thank you for for helping us you know with that and helping us get that off the ground yeah such a privilege uh it truly is neat stuff so there's a lot to that and if you're listening uh for those that are listening they're probably missing some of those key points one is the documentary a world without orphans we'll make sure we put that in the show notes below um, as well as the missions dilemma but that film training i think it's really interesting because you guys went down for five weeks and were training people in that community how to create their own film and that film festival that was the end product so at the end of five weeks and what was interesting Brian, you guys just invited everybody to come with whatever camera gear they had. And so there were some challenges in that. And so you guys have learned along the way. Uh, what what are some, some of the key takeaways now looking back and maybe for those that are interested in training somebody 
uh, overseas, what might be something to watch out for or something to think about in helping them be equipped to be able to share their own stories? Well, I think technology has really helped us because now you can do it with your phone. You know, you can even edit on your phone, although I still find it a little difficult, but we're getting to the point where you can really do a lot with your phone. And almost everyone has a phone, even overseas, uh, even in the you know smallest, most remote countries. Um, the other thing is you can teach them and you can, you know, teach them. We had different classes, but I think the biggest thing is do it, go do it. And even though it's hard for them to like take that leap and just see what they can shoot, I think that's the best way to learn is just do it. And then out of that, you know, okay. Um, I learned that I shouldn't shoot in a big windstorm or I shouldn't, you know, um, if I'm got a tripod, I'm going to be a lot steadier holding, you know, than trying to hold the camera. Um, so I think there's just that big part of it is just pushing forward and encouraging them to try things. Yeah. I think that's very important to know that you don't have to have, all this equipment, fancy equipment, um, which most people when they buy it won't know how to use it properly, uh, to, to think that, hey, I need this camera and I need this this computer to be able to, to make films when today you can get high quality uh, value off of your phones. I mean, you can film with it. You know, there's nice, ed there's nice editing software now available on those. And, you know, yeah, you just go out and do it and film and make mistakes, show it to your friends and family get feedback from them, you know, take criticism very well. I, I'm working with my son right now. He is going through through a film school here locally, um, and uh, he lets us watch the films, and he hates when I <laughs> critique him. Um, <laughs> but it's like you, you have to do it. And, I, you know, in most artists, we don't, don't like to hear, you know, no, that's not good, or, you know, maybe you should do this differently. But it's important for us to, to hear that because it, it only helps us, you know, up our game when we're when we're filmmaking this makes us a better filmmaker and storyteller and i think in the christian world we've got to keep raising that bar um because um the world does things very well and um sadly christians have kind of a reputation of not doing things quite as well we don't have quite the budgets but we've got the stories we've got great stories um, so, and I was, um, going to tell one story. I think it was 2000. I told you about the Yali story. Well, 10 years later, 2011, I went back to Papua, Indonesia, and we were doing the Kimyal Bible mm -hmm. story. And that was one where, you know, your neighboring tribe has had their complete Bible and they're getting their new Testament. And the one pastor came to us and said in John one, one, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That word was Jesus Christ. Tomorrow, Jesus Christ is coming to our village. <laughs> and so it was thousands of people that showed up to watch the planes land with these boxes. The ceremony was still a few days away, but it was just ceremonial, ceremonious, the way the runway guy took the boxes and handed it to the pilot. The pilot, tears in his eyes, handed it to the pastor, and he pauses, and he's just like, 
It was poetic. Just like Simeon was promised he would hold the Christ child, I was promised I would hold the word of God. And then they handed off to the older believers who handed off to the younger believers. And then they paraded the boxes all the way down the airstrip. I mean, it was just one of those moments that uh, just is seared into your memory. And so we'll put that link as well. Yeah, Another story film. I Excellent film. Another, yes. Another story that I was doing while I was there was Eleanor, who had polio at five and didn't. her parents didn't think she was going to live. And at 13, with braces and crutches, she feels God call her to the mission field. And, you know, people are like, you go to the mission field? But she ends up with the Kimmel tribe, who are all pygmies and all her size. I mean, they're like less than five feet tall. And so, um, you know, we put that up probably, you know, gosh, almost 10 years ago, and it had probably 40,000 views. And I just saw there was a lot of, um, you know, I kept getting uh, emails that said comment on bad legs is what we called it, comment on bad legs. And it's had 50,000 views just in the last um, 90 days or so. Wow. I mean, it's just kind of amazing how something goes viral and you don't even know why but it's exciting to see so you spoke about you know the the christian feature film world um and so that's something that you're involved in with as well with icvm um and you were you were president of that organization for quite a while why don't you tell us a little bit about that and what you guys are trying to accomplish uh with icvm yes um international christian visual media it is almost 50 years old as an organization, and it's back when um, churches had libraries of films that they would show. It was back in the film days. And so that they would get these films to the different churches so they could play them. And, you know, then it changed over to more of the video world and the distributors and the filmmakers. And now it's kind of um, just a group. It's to me, now that I've been going almost 20 years, and yes, I was president for three years, a uh, few years back, I'm still on the board, but it is a group of Christians that love Jesus and want to tell good stories. It is documentaries or music videos or feature films and varying budgets and that kind of thing. But we come together to learn, to encourage one another, um, I always call it kind of a summer cramp for working <laughs> videographers and such. I mean, it's just a great group of people to, to come along and they've just really become friends. And, and you just, if you need something in another country, I could probably find someone there that uh, could help us out. So it's a international group and uh, we were virtual this last year, but uh, we'll be back uh, in November, I think, uh, in person. That's great. Yeah, it's awesome stuff you guys are working on. Going back to something you said earlier, there was that time when you worked at the, the local television station and you needed a break. You felt like God was working on your heart and that you said, I'm going to give a year and I'm going to do whatever. I'll wash dishes, I'll hammer nails, I'll edit videos. And you also talked about editing as worship. And so looking back on that time and how God has used your talents, abilities, and you even said trying to make a story, it, it's really just a skill that you have in putting all that together. And so my question is, 
What would you say to that young media professional who's a Christian that's maybe earlier on in their career and saying, God, how can you use me? How can you use these talents and abilities that you've given me? So what might you, what might you say to encourage them? I think a lot of it comes down to kind of just being open-handed and all right, God, I've got this. Um, and cause I wouldn't have set out to plan, you know, the next part of my life like this, but I just think it's kind of amazing how it's all happened and still happening. I mean, I told someone the other day, they said, what's the next project? And I said, I'm waiting for something to drop into my lap. And two days later, I got an email from someone that said, hey, could I talk to you about being production coordinator on a film we're doing? <laughs> I was like, hey, I think I'd like to have that conversation. Who knows where it will lead to? But I think for that young filmmaker, it really is being sold out to God first. You know, letting God direct and guide and, you know, looking for opportunities to serve him. I think there is always that idea that you want to... Uh, keep your skill set up um, and just learn to do things better and um, just raising that bar. Um, so you just always want to kind of learn more and be hungry to learn. I think that's important. And then just be, you know, willing to try new things. Um, sometimes it works. Brian, you probably know this. Sometimes it works and sometimes you're like, hmm, not quite what I had planned, but sometimes it's even better than what I thought. Yeah, that's great. You know, just asking that question, God, what role would you have for me in carrying out the Great Commission? Would you challenge people to think of how can I use my media skills in that? And I guess what role can media play in the Great Commission? I think our visual media can be amazing. I mean, it's a very good informational tool, you know, to teach people, you know, from Bible studies to testimonies to, you know, feature films that tell good stories. But at the heart of it is video does emotion really well. And if you can get the emotion captured and then put on and then touch other people's hearts. That's powerful. And I hope that, you know, just all the projects I've done have furthered people either in their growth, in their walk with God, or even their desire to, you know, be more involved in missions, or even that young filmmaker that says, well, I could do something like that. That's great. Well, Diane, how could somebody get a hold of you? Uh, maybe see some of your work or, or where would they find you on the internet? I do have a website, thanks to my brother. Um, so it's dianebecker.com. It is a few years old, but I do try to keep, you know, most of my projects on there that are fairly easily accessible. Um, so um, that's probably one of the easiest ways. I'm also on Facebook, um, and I know you guys, if somebody contacted iTech and said, hey, where's that Diane Becker girl? But I think there's a contact page on the dianebecker.com. Great. And we'll be sure, sure to link that in the show notes below as well as some of the films you've mentioned. So, Brian, any Great. final thoughts as we wrap up? 
Yeah, Diane, I just want to say, you know, when I came here to iTech 10 years ago, as you know, the video guy, I was, you were one of the first people I met here and you have been a great mentor to me over the years. And we've been, had the chance to work with you on a few different projects and, and learn from you. And, uh, and I, I use what you've taught me every single day, uh, in, in putting these, you know, films together we do here. And, uh, I just want to thank you and thank you for your work that you've done. And, uh, I look, I look forward to that, that next story that you're telling. Uh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate that. I think I learned from you as well. And yes, we need another project together. We do. We do. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So good to have you on the podcast today, Diane. We appreciate your time. Great. Thanks, guys. I miss iTech. It's, uh, it's always great when I'm there. I don't think I've been there since over a year now, but uh, it's always good to drop in. And sometimes there's a project and sometimes it's just to say hello and eat a good meal with friends. <laughs> but love you guys. We love you too. We'll look forward to the next visit. Have a great All day. Right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Mission Minded. For more information on today's topic and show notes, please visit our website, itechusa.org. Mission-Minded Podcast is produced by iTech. The goal of this podcast is to inspire conversations about Great Commission participation. The views, organizations, and individuals represented, interviewed, and discussed on the podcast do not necessarily represent an official position or formal partnerships with iTech.